a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The governor answers your questions. Utah's most important issues on Let Me Speak to the Governor. And Cindy has been very patient with us, Governor, calling from Utah County. Cindy, what's your question for Governor Herbert? And I think we have Cindy, who is on the line. Cindy, do we have you there? Yes. Hi. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Hi, Governor Herbert. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for your service to our state. Um, my question is that there are some school districts in our state that have maybe lower assessed values and, and don't have as much money to pay per student as others. There are two proposals in the legislature this year that would help to do some equalization there. One is um, Senator Fillmore's, and his um, wants to take money out of the growth WPU to put into equalization. That money would have gone to all, all districts. Um, and then the second proposal is Representative Last has a proposal where um, that money would come from a, a cap that would freeze as property values um, increase. And that would have a revenue stream that would actually pay for their equalization without taking it out of the WPU, which, which I personally support as a parent, but I'm, I'm curious as to what your opinion is on those proposals and which of those you would support ultimately. Well, thank you, Cindy. The principle of equalization is one that Utah has been has a proud history of, of making sure that, as I say, you get as good an education in Bluff, Utah, as you get in Bountiful, Utah, that no matter where you're located – urban or rural, that you have a good quality education. And I think that's an important principle that not all states have, by the way. So we've tried to do that. And we recognize, too, with a fast-growing state and particularly a fast-growing student population, that more resources need to be put into the education uh, fund and to help uh, defray the costs of expansion and new schools and new teachers, etc. So I, I like the fact that we have a couple of legislators who really have taken that on, uh, Senator Fillmore and Representative Last. I'm partial probably more to Representative Last's approach. I like the fact that it's not earmarking money, which I think is not a good policy for the legislature to tie their own hands. I think monies need to be debated and competed over with the different options that are available in the marketplace each and every legislative session. <clears throat> so the fact this is not an earmark, it uses new money, not existing money. It's, uh, again, as we freeze the baseline for property tax, uh, new monies will come into play over the next five years. And I think that's probably a good way to, in fact, increase revenue streams and new money that's not earmarked. So, again, I like the fact that both of them are talking about it. I, again, I think equalization is a 
an important principle that we need to uphold here in the state of Utah in our education system. But I'm a little more partial to Representative Brad Lass' approach. Annetta is waiting on the line in Salt Lake City. Annetta, you're on Let Me Speak to the Governor. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, Annetta. I'm, uh, I really want to appreciate, I really uh, want to say how much we appreciate what you're doing for our state. And lately we've been hearing quite a bit about this northwest quadrant uh, up in Salt Lake City and what they were planning on developing there. I just wondered if you could describe this uh, uh, for us and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, sure, I'll do the best I can. The northwest quadrant, again, is that area out there by the airport, kind of uh, north and west. Uh, you've heard a lot about the prison move. Where, uh, we are moving from the Draper area, kind of in the heart of growth, uh, taking place in the high-tech center area there of South Salt Lake County and North Utah County, what we refer to as Silicon Slopes. And so moving the prison to where it ended up being identified five miles west of the airport, and that's part of the northwest quadrant. Uh, the good news for that is uh, on multiple levels. One, we're going to have a, a more state-of-the-art prison, and the prison ought to be more than just warehousing people. It ought to be about rehabilitation. Uh, you cannot do that with the old-style prison that we had, so a new-style prison is going to be built, which will allow us to treat prisoners better, more humanely, and help uh, rehabilitate them to go back and be productive members of society. Uh, secondly, it opens up an area that probably would not have been opened up at all, certainly not in the next maybe 40 or 50 years. It's going to bring utilities out to that area because we need to bring them out for the prison. We already have Amazon that's going to be putting one of their fulfillment centers out there, which is a major addition to that northwest quadrant. And we already have a number of other companies that are talking to the state and to the local communities, uh, Salt Lake City, about relocating and 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 building either plants manufacturing or uh, uh, commercial type operations out in that area, so I think it's going to be a shot in the arm for economic development in the northwest quadrant. Uh, lastly, the northwest quadrant, the, the concern people have is that's something that's so big. We're trying to bring in maybe an inland port, which means that we'll have all the advantages of uh, distribution of goods and services in an inland place as opposed to on the coast. And so rather than being things being dropped off in San Francisco, L.A., or Oakland, they would be brought into Utah in this area, Salt Lake City area, by air or by rail, and again distribute from this point in time where there's less congestion, more opportunities probably to get to other parts of the country. We are known as the crossroads of the West. So this inland port idea, which we started talking about here a few years ago, is actually now on the verge of reality. And, again, the question is, can, we, can Salt Lake City handle that alone? I understand the importance of local control. Do we need to put together an entity that is comprised of, of Salt Lake County, Salt Lake City, the state of Utah, other surrounding communities, and put together an entity that works together in a combined effort to, in fact, make sure the zoning is appropriate and that master plan the area? And that's the competing debate right now, whether it's just controlled by Salt Lake City only or whether it's going to be a composite of other entities working together in concert for that area, uh, how we develop that northwest quadrant. A great opportunity for us uh, economically, and uh, we want to make sure we do it right. We'll have one shot at this, and we want to make sure that we do it correctly the first time. Let's take a phone call from Bountiful, Utah. Dave is on the line. Dave, go ahead. 
Hey, thanks, Governor, for this forum. Um, question I have is, uh, in the last years or so, or in the last year or so, we've uh, seen three pieces of legislation that uh, seem to contradict maybe what you said. We're a we're a common sense uh, state. One being the fireworks uh, deal seems like it's being uh, repealed now that it's been on the books for two, three years. Uh, the other and the most one I'm really calling about is the vehicle inspection. Um, we were told that there was just 1% of the vehicles involved in crashes that had something to do with vehicle equipment failure. And my question to you on a common sense term is, if these people aren't allowed, if these people are no longer required to go in and get the ball tires, you know, inspected or whatever, or they're, you know, what not doesn't work, headlights, uh, isn't that 1% going to common sense going to tell you that that's going to go up and it's going to cause issues? It sounds like what was in place was working so well was only 1%. Well, you're right. It's certainly, Dave, not a black and white issue. It's uh, uh, the effort uh, to pass, you know, legislation is really based on what's the latest data. That data can change, and certainly there are factors that could cause it to change. Uh, the fireworks is a good example, and so based on the latest information, there's been some modifications of the restrictions, which I think were based on some common sense. Time will tell, I guess, whether that's good data or bad data and whether the legislation we put in place works or doesn't work. The vehicle inspections is one that uh, really is not without controversy. Uh, I know we've been talking about bald tires. That seems to be the common thing. You say, well, how many people out there are now drawing on on uh, unsafe tires, bald tires, because they didn't have to go to an inspection and where they, in order to pass inspection, they had to have good tires. And it should cause us concern. Uh, the legislature, when they did the analysis, uh, looking at states that had safety inspections and those that didn't, uh, could find no differential in the data. And so the argument was at the time, this is just an extra expense that has no benefit to it. Now, I can tell you that I believe uh, legislators are now taking a second look at this and saying, what is the unintended consequence? Is it, in fact, like you're saying, it's gone from 1%, now we have 2%, maybe on our way to 5%, because people are not compelled to keep their cars at some kind of minimal standard. If that's the case, I, um, I'm confident we'll bring back safety inspections. And so it should be data-driven. And that coupled with a little common sense of the uh, uh, apply the data, uh, and we'll see what happens. But I think that's being reviewed, and who knows, next session we may bring back safety inspections. We are going to take a brief break at this point. We'll be right back with more of Let Me Speak to the Governor. And, uh, Leslie, I know you're on the line. We'll take your phone call next. We do have a few lines available at 575-8255, and we'll have time to take a few more calls when we come back from this brief break. 